Now, I promised you this week, right? We've been going through the, the book of 1 John. I promised after last week, it was kind of a strong, strong challenge from the disciple John to test the spirits. What is true and what is a lie? It matters. I told you we'd be talking about love today, right? So everybody can relax. Maybe. This week, we continue our message series entitled Living in the Light. Move in the light here. As we make our way through the book of 1 John, <clears throat> written by the, the disciple and the apostle John, right? This, yes, the same one who walked with Jesus, who touched Jesus after and before his resurrection. He was there and he preaches the gospel. He preaches. Jesus and him crucified and risen from the grave over and over again, even unto his death. We talked about that before. It's, it's hard to die for something that you were there for and you know is a lie, right? John was there. He saw Jesus. He saw his resurrected body and he went to the grave proclaiming that he is indeed alive. And so... Um, we go through this letter to the church at Ephesus in 1 John. Um, and he's encouraging the believers there. It's written for this church at Ephesus and it's also to be passed around to the churches around Ephesus. He's encouraging the believers to stand firm in their faith in a secular, pluralistic world that is opposed to the message of Christ. And he's calling them to live in the light of Jesus Christ, to walk in that light and reflect that light to the broken, lost world around them. He's calling us this morning to that as well. And last week we talked about how do we test the spirits? How is Satan working in the world today? How is evil working in the world today? And how does he throw those pitches to us that are just off? And Christians, so oftentimes we jump to it. We jump to what's popular, what's relevant in the culture, what makes the message a little easier to receive. And so last week, I won't get back into that, we talked about the truth, and the truth is Jesus Christ and Him crucified and risen again. And so I promised you this week we would talk about love in the second half of chapter 4 here in 1 John. He's talking about love. There's a song that's on, I think I've put it on almost every one of my Spotify playlists. Um, it's by Burt Bacharach, back in 1965. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for some, but for everyone. That has been the heart cry of poets and songwriters. As long as there have been poems and songs, the Beatles, all you need is love, right? Love Story by Taylor Swift. I don't know that song. I just thought I'd throw a new one in there that I saw it on the internet. <laughs> that breaks a rule my pastor father told me one time. If you don't know exactly what that's about, don't say it. Anyway... We sing about it. We talk about it. We yearn for it. Why do we never quite seem to get there, though? 
right? We continue to write songs about how we yearn for it, how we long for it, yet we're quite, never quite there. Well, the good news is there is love, not just for some, but for everyone. So I want us to look at chapter 4 of 1 John, beginning in verse 7, and let's talk about this love. Verse 7, chapter 4 says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. I just said that. In this, the love of... It's worth saying twice, right? In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because he is is so also are we... Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we invite you this morning. We ask you to communicate the word to our hearts this morning. I have nothing clever or intelligent enough to say that can make an eternal difference, but you do. Through your word, Lord, speak to our hearts today, and may we be doers and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry, I'm still going through these new glasses, and sometimes I'll pull them up, sometimes I'll pull them down, and sometimes I'll read the wrong thing. So the title of today's message is The Truth About Love. Jesus demonstrated us and John reminds us here that truth, the truth that he talked about in the first half of this chapter is not just an intellectual debate, right? It's not just an exercise. Truth is visible in the life of the believer in how we love one another. Truth means something in the world. If you say that you believe the truth, if you say that you're a follower of Jesus, that has an effect. It should have an effect on your life and the world around you. 
It has immediate and it has eternal consequences. And the number one consequence of a life lived by faith in the truth of Jesus Christ is love. Now John writes these words in the context of just talking about identifying truth and lies in your life. And that Jesus Christ is the truth. And we base our lives on that. We base our love on that as well. And so I want to look quickly this morning at three things that this passage, I believe we can see about the truth about love. And the first is the truth empowers love. And so you're going to notice that I haven't let go of the truth that we're talking about last week. We've got to bring it along with us because this is what he's talking about. This is the context that John brought about. Because if we just start talking about loving each other and, and having love and all those things, we can, miss, we can miss it. Jesus, the truth, is at the center of what it means to be loved and to love. And so the truth empowers love. He said in verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Someone asked me recently, can a person love without God? A lost friend of mine. Can you not be a Christian and still love and be able to love? Well, he said up in verse 2 and 3, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So if we're starting with Jesus, we have the truth, and we have true love. If we don't start with Jesus, then we're not starting with true love. And so the answer would be no. Not really. We love because he first loved us. Love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. God is love. It's all over this passage that it begins with God. True love, the definition of love begins with our Father. Without God, there is no love. Therefore, when we try to love without God, it's merely an imitation. It's a shadow. It's an echo We were created in God's image, right? And so there are aspects of us that that are an echo of his image. And that desire to love and be loved, that is from him. So we have the potential there, which makes it all the more heartbreaking because we're yearning for the real thing. And yet we compromise and we're experiencing and settling for a counterfeit because we're leaving God out. We're seeking to love and and build relationships with God on the outside. It's not the real deal. You know, when we first moved here, we started going to Trader Joe's, which I had never heard of Trader Joe's before we moved here. Um, And one of the snacks that my kids loved when we moved here were Oreos, right? We loved Oreos. We all loved them. And When we started going to Trader Joe's, we were looking for Oreos. Well, Oreos aren't really at Trader Joe's. They have a thing that's like Oreos. It looks like Oreos. It's got a little different name. I don't remember what it is. But when you put them in your mouth, it's like little dust biscuits. 
It's like sand in your mouth, you know. And my kids were not having it. So we would get these, what they started calling Porios, because they were a cheap version of Oreos. No matter how we tried, they weren't having it because they knew that was a counterfeit. That was not the real thing. Jesus has made it possible for you and I to have real love. Not just for some, but for everyone. To experience it. God sent Jesus to demonstrate his love to you and to me. Verse 10 in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son. To know Jesus, to trust him with my life, to put my faith in him is to know that I am loved. The God of the universe saw me. He sees me. He sees me in my sin and my brokenness. He sees the effect of sin in this world, death and destruction. He sees broken hearts. He sees a fallen world consuming itself. And he did something about it. He stepped into time, walked this earth and demonstrated his love, even in the midst of all that rebellion, all the way to the cross, saying that he loves you. He loves me with the real deal. And so you and I can experience this love of a father, anyone who will put their faith in Christ and walk in that love. And it's not simply the experience of being loved by God, but it is the empowerment that we get from walking in the truth, knowing Christ as Savior. He says in verse 13, By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. See, it's the, it's the gift from God. When we receive His love and we say yes to the love of, of, of Christ. He gives us the gift of His Holy Spirit, His presence. And His Spirit in me can love the way that Christ loves. I can't on my own. My flesh, it's not possible. I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. I will destroy every relationship, every friendship that I have. I spent years doing it. But when Christ is flowing through me, when the Holy Spirit is working through me and in me, then I can love as He's called me to love. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19 says, I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love. Through His Spirit, the gift of God in me, His Spirit, I can know His love. And I can love. He can love through me. So the the Holy Spirit in my life one of, the, one of the fruits of the evidence of the Spirit in my life is to love. It 
Tony and I, the best thing, we've been married 33 years, going on 34 years. Wow. The best thing we did for our marriage was to bring our lives and our marriage under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We were married for about four or five years before God got a hold of us. And it was a wreck. All my fault. I take it right here. But Jesus, the love of Jesus, when my, when my heart knows the love of Christ, He empowers me. His Spirit empowers me to be able to love well, to love like I was designed to love, the way that we were designed to love one another. If, if I'm not walking in the Spirit, then my relationship either is or is headed for a mess. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is, first of all, love. Joy, peace, patience, all those things. Why is there unfaithfulness today? The flesh. Why is there abuse? The flesh. Why do we have addiction? The flesh. The absence of the Holy Spirit. The point is we're empowered by the Holy Spirit of Christ to experience and express true love. And without Christ, we cannot love the way we were designed to love. And so why is the world in a mess? Because of the flesh. Because we, because we want to love without the truth. Without being empowered by the truth of God's love. And, and listen, when... You might say, well, I don't totally get that. Listen, when God says he loves you and reaches out his arms to you and to me, and I say, no, thanks, that's rebellion. How can I expect to love well? Because that's the way I'm living my life. You're here this morning, you hear the gospel, you hear that Jesus, God sent Christ because he loves you and he reached out for you for his glory and he wants you to come to him. He's done it all. You put your faith in him and you say, you know what? No thanks. How, how am I supposed to love others that way when I've already determined that I am number one? The way that I want to do things is number one. I've said that to God and that starts to shine through in my flesh and the relationships around me. So let me encourage you today. Do you know the love of Christ? Do you know the truth? Have you received it by faith? Then you are empowered, Christian, to love. And therefore, we're accountable to that kind of love that we're going to continue to talk about. Not only does the truth empower love, but the truth is demonstrated in love. John says, this is how you know that you are in Christ, that you love. Verse 10, in this love, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of, for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Remember what Jesus said in John uh, chapter 13, verse 35. He says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you get on Facebook and rail against every political issue that comes up. Sorry, I get, I'm getting a little personal now. If you get on Instagram and you want to argue and debate about every other thing. When you wear a t-shirt that says, 
Jesus is my homeboy or whatever you want to put on it. When you get a tattoo that says truth or veritas or whatever. If you have love one to another. Love is how they will know. Love is how the world will know. Love is how we'll make a difference. And I know exactly what you're thinking. We'll talk about it in just a second. It's the truth in love. But we love to jump to that. The fact that you're probably already sitting there going, well, (laughs) careful. How are we to love? Well, let's look at what he says here in verse 10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us. Love, this love that we're called to, initiates. It takes the initiative to love when I'm not being loved by others. We're not commanded to love one another, uh, one another to, to earn or become worthy of God's love. We're not earning anything here. We love one another because we are loved by God. We have received that love And so we can step out. We can show that love to others because we're not sitting in our pride, afraid that we're going to get offended, afraid that we're going to get hurt. Beloved, let us love. In verse 7, he starts with that. I love the ancient Greek sentence here begins like this. Those who are loved, let us love. Let us love. When he says, beloved, let us love. Those who are loved, let us love. Listen, you are loved this morning. And that ought to prod me to want to love. My first instinct is to want to reach out and to love others. I remember last year, Jackson and some Gen Senders were with us during the summer. And I remember that great question. We had it this We had it this year, too, and it's like when I'm out there playing volleyball and I'm building relationships in the neighborhood and I'm getting to know people during the summer, how do I not treat people like a project? How do I love them, really, truly love them? Because the thing is, we're totally different. Most of the people who come up from Texas, most of the people you meet here, unless they've come up from Texas, are different in a lot of ways. So how do I... Build an honest love for them. Well, I'm on my knees praying, God, love through me. I'm not trying to bait and switch. My job is not to save people. My my job is not to change people. It is to love. It is to initiate love. The church, we've called the world to be the missionaries. All these cultural barriers, and there are cultural barriers, just say in the United States, between the gospel and a lost person. We are called to navigate those cultural boundaries. Whatever the boundary is, you and I are called to navigate it, to get through it, to get over it, to get to them and not to stand in the corner with the rest of society as we've had, we have this giant gap between us. Followers of Jesus should be the ones coming across the room, right? So, This real love initiates. Do you you pursue loving others? Do you get out of your comfort zone? You get out of the idea of what you can do for me? Do you show interest in someone else's life? Listen, when you're with someone, do you do all the talking or do you listen? Do you ask questions of the people around you? Listen, pray for that. Pray that the Holy Spirit would lead you to that kind of love and would 
would move through you in such a way. Change your mindset. So love initiates true love sacrifices. Not that we loved him, but he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation, let's get that word out of the way right here. The atonement, the payment for your sin and for mine. He took care of it. What we owed, he took care of. He initiated it and he sacrificed. That's this kind of love. God didn't just tell us he loved us. He demonstrated it in a real way. Do you take on the burdens of others? It's messy. Do you get messy in people's lives? Bearing their struggles? Are you walking through storms with people? Storms that you didn't earn? We should see people as divine friendships that God is initiating. God is putting people into our lives. People you come in contact with, the people you work with, the people you go to school with. God, how do you want to use me here? How can I love them better? Love also expresses itself in sacrificing my opinion sometimes. Sometimes it causes us to bite our tongues. My rights. Are you quick to speak and slow to listen? Or as James told us, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. What is the fruit that the Holy Spirit is producing in you? What kind of love? Is it, is it, is it the love? I know I haven't brought this up in a long time, but is it the love that we see on some of these bumper stickers that says love trumps hate? And it's actually a hateful statement. If you agree with me, I can love you. And it goes both ways, every way. We're called as Christians, we know the love of Christ. It's different. James, who wrote that, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. He was the brother of Jesus. You know, he probably learned that the hard way. Love puts you first and me second. It's sacrificial. It's sacrificial in its nature. God has shown us that through Jesus. Now listen, this is, it's not at the price of truth. But here's the thing. If you are loving well in your life, if you have opened up your life to not just the people who agree with you and vote like you, think like you, go to the same place you go on Sundays or any of those things. If you've opened up your life in a real way and walk with them and love them unconditionally, you are going to have the opportunity to speak the truth in love. Especially in New York City. People just, folks here will be straight up with you. So what do you think about this? Boom. But we walk in that love. And then our input is welcome because people know that you care about them. It's not that you've hid the tr- hidden the truth. It's just that you lead with love. Because I know that 
Removing the heart of stone and putting a heart of flesh is not my job. That's God's job. Convicting of sin is not my job. The Bible says that's the Holy Spirit's job. All those things that we've kind of taken on ourselves and put in our holsters, those are all God's job. Our job is to be obedient to who and where he's called us. Then finally, love abides. This, this, lo- this love abides. In verse 16, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. This word abide, the original language, main o, continue, dwell, endure, remain. Isn't it amazing? It says God abides in him. God abides in you as a believer. His spirit within me. He never leaves. It's not something I can earn. I can't push him away like I've tried. Hebrews 13, 5. I will never leave you or forsake you. I love the way the New American Standard Version puts it like this. I will never desert you, nor will I ever abandon you. That is the love of God through Christ. That is the kind of love that we were designed with. That is the kind of love that God has demonstrated to you and to me. And that is the kind of love that I am called to in my community, at my work, in church, in my family. A persevering type of love. It's steady. It's not easily or ready to be offended. Some of us walk around on the razor's edge of being offended. You say the wrong thing, I'm gone. You say the wrong thing, what did Dwight shun? You're shunned, right? What has caused you to walk away from someone in your life? Think about it. What has caused you to hate if there's hate? There should at the very least, at the very least, there should be a battle going on within me. I want to love. That should be my default because of the great love that I have been shown. The love that I saw at the foot of the cross when I came to Christ for me. What challenges your love? Think about it this morning. Where are those cracks in my flesh where I am challenged to love someone? What disappoints me? What flares up my pride or my fear? Do I pray for those who have offended me? Those in your life maybe right now that you're not on great terms with, are you praying for them? I had a young lady in our church years ago. She kept coming to me offended about this and about that. And she was always wanting to be talked out of leaving the church. And finally I said, listen, look around. Everybody here has had something said or done That's not the way they would have done it and offended them probably to a certain degree. And yet they're still here. There comes a time where I say, you know what? My service, my worship, my love is first and and foremost to Christ. And I want to live that out in my relationships all around me. I want to show that grace. I want to show that love. I want to look for opportunities to show that love to people. Not how am I going to be offended today? Bob Goff wrote the book, Love Does. 
great quote from that book. He says, the real game of bigger and better that Jesus is playing with us usually isn't about money or possessions or even our hopes. It's about our pride. He asks if we'll give up that thing we're so proud of, that thing we believe causes us to matter in the eyes of the world and give it up to follow him. He's asking us, will you take what you think defines you, leave it behind and let me define who you are instead? Listen, when we do that, when we are putting our pride to death, our flesh to death, pressing in, walking in the spirit, That's what he's called us to do, to put our defenses aside. Those things that we are finding ourselves fighting for our rights about in my own life or or the lives of people around me or circumstances and situations. We give up on trying to prove myself to God and receive his righteousness through salvation. And it's a call to live that out every day. If I'm driven by pride then anyone or anything that threatens that pride becomes offensive to me and eventually becomes my enemy. It should be a warning sign to you this morning. If that's the case, that the flesh, you're walking in the flesh. Walking in the love of Christ and allowing Him to love through my life means dying to my pride every day. But here's good news. The final point. The truth is love wins. Verse 17 By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Listen, the truth of God's love demonstrated through Christ on the cross in the end wins, has already won. We've, God has won the battle for our souls, the war for your soul this morning in Christ Jesus on the cross by demonstrating his love for you and for me on the cross if we'll put our faith in his sacrifice. But he also wins the war within us every day, right? The true love of God experienced and received in Christ conquers fear and replaces it with confidence in my life. See, we are driven by fear. Fear is at the root of pride as well. Fear is a killer. Fear will kill your relationships, our families, our careers. It robs of peace and hope and satisfaction. Fear's focus is self-preservation, self-protection. It's suspicious, it's skeptical, it's callous. It's at the core of racism, every form of hatred. There is no fear in love. We can talk about love on TV and on Facebook or whatever it is you surf without the love of Christ. It's driven by fear. See, in Christ, fear no longer has a hold on me, he says. And how does he deliver this confidence to me? His Holy Spirit. We talked about that earlier. He gives us his Holy Spirit and he empowers us 
to walk in that love. Verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. So the Holy Spirit is empowering us to love and he also replaces that fear with confidence. Romans 8, 16, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The Holy Spirit is another advocate, Jesus said, right? Jesus is before the Father. Our, the Holy Spirit is in our hearts advocating for us, saying, no, you belong to him. You belong to Christ. You are his. Victory is available. We can walk in that hope and in that joy this morning when we walk in the Spirit. There was a movie, I guess everybody probably knows Toy Story. My kids uh, love that movie, and there's several different ones, I'm not sure. But remember Andy's toys? Didn't they have something written on them somewhere? It said what? Andy, right? Andy. And so they're Andy's toys. Andy knows those are his toys, right? It's not like they're in his room. That's written there for them so that they know they're Andy's. They belong to Andy. The Holy Spirit is within you, advocating for you, telling you to not believe the lies of the world. You belong to Jesus. You are his. There's victory in that. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So here, here is the gospel right here. You heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him. So this is, this is the gospel. If you're a believer, if you're a follower of Christ this morning, this has happened. You've heard the message of Jesus on the cross that I'm sinful, that every human being is sinful, but God is holy and he cannot look upon sin. We cannot have a relationship with him in our sin. And yet he loved us for God so loved you and me that he sent Jesus to pay for our sin so that we might have that relationship with him. And we believed it. We put our faith in it. He said, Then you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Praise God, the gift of His Spirit. Listen, church Christians, this morning, the key is to walk in the Spirit. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in prayer. The Spirit confirms in us the love of God. He advocates in our hearts. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Practically, it means reading the Word of God that Scripture tells us is the sword of the Spirit. It is the tool with which He makes changes in me, reveals God's Word to me. Walking in the Spirit means as I go through my day, I'm having a conversation with the Lord. When my friend asks me for advice, I'm in a prayerful mode. I'm saying, Spirit, what is right here? What is beneficial here? What should I say? When I have a decision to make about work or family, it's saying, Lord, which way do I go? What is your perspective of this, God? Because I know it's so much greater than mine. What is pleasing to the Father? When I'm struggling and I'm having doubts, Walking in the Spirit is saying, I am struggling, struggling, Lord. Holy Spirit, help me. Help my heart. 
Change my mind. Renew a right spirit within me. When I'm struggling with temptation or failing in it, walking in the spirit means I I confess. I say, I've failed. I've turned away from your voice. Help me. Restore me. I turn to you. Purify my heart. Create in me a clean heart, O Lord. Cleanse my motivations and desires. I know that they're constantly attacking me. It's this conversation. Walking in the Spirit means understanding and placing my faith in the love of Jesus and trusting daily in the Spirit, His Spirit, who is guiding me, who is speaking to me in a still, small voice. Because He knows, ultimately, in the end, what will bring good to me and glory to the Father. So, by His Spirit, we have confidence for today. So, the truth is, love wins... The Holy Spirit of Christ speaking to us, giving us confidence, killing fear in our lives. But it's also confidence for eternity, he says here. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Listen, love has won the war on your sin and on my sin. We talk about relationship a lot. Because it's at the core, loving God and loving one another. However, ultimately, God so loved you that he gave Jesus so that you would not perish, so that I would not perish, so that I would not go into eternity answering for my own sin before a holy, righteous God. I asked the question last week in small group, Can there be true love without accountability? And we have some good friends that are not Christians that come to our Bible study because there's love between us. But we're talking straight through Scripture. And one of my good friends who's not a Christian said, of course not. You've got to have accountability. God is a holy God and He came to... Pay the price for sin so that you and I, our accountability goes through Jesus. You don't have to be accountable on the day of judgment when we will all stand before God. We don't have to stand there on our own merit. That's the beautiful love that was expressed for you and for me. Revelation 20, beginning in verse 11, says, 11, this vision that John had. He said, then I saw a great white throne. And him who was seated on it from his presence on earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead great and small standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And John goes on to say that those whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life are brought into the presence of our our cast out from the presence of God forever and ever and separated from God for eternity in darkness and those whose name was is in the Lamb's book of life. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come in. There's coming a day when we cross out of this life, when truth will win. The truth of love will win. This will not be a trial. It will be a declaration of whether or not you received 
Put your faith in the love that God has demonstrated to you in Jesus Christ for the covering of your sin and my sin or the rejection of it and choice to stand in my own righteousness. Listen, it's not a scare tactic. It's an account of an actual event. C.S. Lewis said this in his book, The Great Divorce. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. You may say, well, this doesn't, wait a minute, we're talking about love. This doesn't sound very loving. Sounds like the opposite to me. Listen, it is the love of God. It is the true love of God overcoming all the destructive lies all that we see in the world of abuse and brokenness and hurt and pain. Jesus is victorious over all the fallen brokenness of the world. And he offers that. It is the story of love. It's the story of rescue. It's a promise for those who have put their faith in the love of God, who live in a fallen world, that attacks love constantly, mocks it. Listen, this morning, Christian, the Holy Spirit, God's word, John is saying, take heart. God's love wins. First Thessalonians. He said, for the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Listen, let me encourage you this morning. It's true. The love of God is true. Us and our rebellion is true. But God continuing to pursue, even in a broken, dark, rebellious world, shaking our fist at God, He continues to come. He continues to whisper your name. He he continues stretching out His arms, saying, I've taken care of it all. If you will put your faith in me, if you will trust my love. The truth about love is fear not, Christian, you are secure. Fear not other men. Fear not the government. Fear not the grave. Live in freedom. Live boldly. Love boldly. Love God. Embrace Christ every day. Walk with Him. Seek Him first. Live with confidence that you are loved. And God is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. He's speaking to you every day. Make it the center of your life to hear His voice. Make space in your life to hear the Holy Spirit speak. And live and walk in that confidence. I told you last week, there's a spiritual war going on. For the the heart of all mankind, a relentless attack on the heart of man to convince you to put your faith in a counterfeit love. A love that is centered on yourself the approval of those around you. Satan is raging. He's waging this war along with our flesh, willing participants. It's daily and it's constant. But the good news is it has been won. Jesus has won that war on the cross. If you will just trust him, put your faith in him, turn from your sin, turn from your self-centeredness. 
your self-love. Walk in his spirit, believer. He gives confidence. He produces fruit in your life. If you're having a hard time loving, love Jesus more. He will give you that love. Initiate love. Sacrifice for it. Abide in it. First and foremost, abide in Christ. Make that the center of your life, abiding in Him. And His love will abide in you. By this, your family, your friends, your co-workers, your antagonists, your neighbors in the world will know that you belong to Christ and that you know the truth because you love with the love of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, I'm just overwhelmed with the truth that holy, righteous, just, perfect God and creator who there is no shadow of turning with loves me broken prideful fearful selfish God I cast all that before you this morning God search our hearts Lord may we be honest where we struggle and and cast that before you Confess, because you've won the war on the cross. God, we don't want to miss your voice every day. and we, we cannot. I cannot live in this world. I cannot love in this world. It's just too difficult in my flesh. I want to fight. I want to defend. God, help me to love. Help me to be confident in that love, your love first and foremost, that I might be able to love others with the love of Jesus, the love that I've been shown. Let's strengthen us today. Convict our hearts where we need that. If we're not spending time with you, if we're not abiding in you, Lord, may that be the result of today. Lord, if there's one here that has never trusted Jesus, has never trusted the love that you demonstrated on the cross for them. I pray that today would be the day that they would receive it in faith and trust you for everything else. God, we love you. Thank you for loving us first.